This is Star Wars in Character, the podcast that takes a closer look at some of the elements that make up the Star Wars universe. Backstories, histories, and details you never knew, wanted to know, or ever need to know. Now here are this week's panelists of Star Wars in Character. Hey, this is Dave from Star Wars in Character bringing you another entry in our Star Wars Around the World series of special episodes. Today I have the pleasure of talking to Mark Newbold, Jedi News, who will lend us the English perspective on the Star Wars saga. So, uh, cheers, Mark. Evening, Dave. How you doing? All right. It's funny. You said evening. I'm like, it's not evening. <laughs> I always forget this. Whenever I'm doing podcasts with people across the pond, I always forget that we're sort of six or seven, well, depending on where you are in the States, we're six or seven or nine hours ahead, so you kind of forget, forget where we are sometimes. That's right. Well, thank you for joining me, and uh, I, I, I asked you briefly, and, I, and I'll ask you now for real. Um, the English Premier League just started. I've, I've started both of these so far with sports, and I'm going to continue this. Um, the English Premier League just started up again. Who is your squad? My team is West Bromwich Albion, okay. who's bounced up and down between the Premier League and the Championship for the last ooh, 15 years at least. We're one of those yo-yo teams, but we've managed to stay in, I think it's our third or fourth season in now. Uh, fourth season, fourth season now. Okay. Played our, we played our get-out-of-jail card last season. We were so lucky not to go down. We've got a decent squad. We drew 2-2 on the opening day with Sunderland, which isn't bad because they've got a, a half-decent squad. We should have won. But uh, yeah, I'd be happy. I'd be happy if we could come halfway. We were eighth the season before last, which was our best finish for thirty-two years. That's pretty um, good. But, yeah, it was really was a good. But we had we had a guy called Lukaku. Okay. You mentioned when we spoke off air. You mentioned you'd had Tim Vicoven on. Yes. And Tim, being Belgian, knows all about Lukaku. He's a Belgian player. We had him on loan from Chelsea. Absolutely amazing striker. He's at he's at Everton now. They just sold him for twenty-eight million. Mm. And wish beyond. Anything I could have dreamt of as an Albion fan, I wish we'd kept him. He was fantastic. Great with the fans. Amazing player. Nice guy. But um, yeah, I think we've got a decent squad this year. I can see us. We're not going to win a cup. We're not going to break any records. But I can, I can see us doing some, you know, getting some decent scores. I can see us sort of lower lower half of the table, sort of mid lower mid part of the table. Sort of, I can see that sort of 12 or 13. That's not cheap. bad. At least you're beyond the point where you have to worry about them being relegated, you think. Well, we thought that last year. I mean, last season, the season before last, I mean, we came back in a couple of years ago, we came uh, 11th. And then okay. the season after, we came 10th with Roy Hodgson, who's now the England manager. He was our manager. He left Albion to take, to take on the England job. So we came 10th. And then last season, we came 8th, you know. And uh, also rather the season before last, we came 8th. And we were like, this is crazy. What's going on, you know? And we looked like a team. And we should have been higher. We were sort of fourth at Christmas. We were just, it was fantastic. Um, and then last season, we really should have been relegated we were appalling last season <laughs> so uh, we've got a manager now who's whose last two managerial positions he got booted from um because he didn't do very good mm. but he was coaching at everton he had the respect of a lot of players so yeah th- this thing's going on that the public don't always hear about the players know more far more than we know and yeah he seems to have pulled together a decent squad and uh, the, the the dressing room albion's one of those dressing rooms where if everyone if you know if the atmosphere is good everyone's up we play well confident when when there's problems, it's a dressing room that just falls down the toilet really, really quickly. So I'm hopeful that they can keep the optimism up and get a few good results. I think we'll get on a little bit of a run and I think we'll be okay. But we've got the worst running I've ever seen for a team. I think in our last six games at the end of the season, we've got Man United, Man City, Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, 
and Spurs, I think. Jeez. I wouldn't wish that on any. I wouldn't wish that on Barcelona, let alone West Brom. So we've <laughs> we've got to be safe by March, otherwise we we're not going to get anything out of that. So. Yeah, better not come down to the end of the season. <laughs> oh no, blimey, no. Let's hope not. <laughs> well, that's good. Um, and and probably what and I also said I would do. Now you were on our Lack Sivrak episode, and I think the star you're you're very prevalent in the stars fan community and, and just community in general and i think everybody knows you but i also wanted to give you the opportunity to kind of introduce yourself and 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 your standing in the star wars community jedi news is the premier uh star wars news source in the uk i would i, I think i'm safe in saying that yeah in, yeah in the uk i think um we're, we're yeah i'd say we're, we're probably um the, the biggest site in the uk certainly um and yeah, I think we, I think we're doing okay. I mean, we've we've uh, I I used to run a site called Lightsaber, and Lightsaber and the old Jedi News merged about oh blimey four years ago now. Uh, and Jet because my old site did what it did, and Jedi News was mainly a new, it was a collecting site. It very much changed the tone and the sort of the the mo of what Jedi News was. So it's essentially a new site now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and me and James James considers Jedi News to have started in two thousand and seven, but because it's merged with my old site, I consider. The, Jedi News to have started in 1998. As go. far as I'm concerned. so, that's one disagreement that we have. Um, <laughs> but it's not a bad disagreement. It's nice. We've got uh, sort of separate histories, but they've come together, which is which is working. And so, yeah, so sort of since 2010, we've really pushed it on social media, and the sites gets more hits. And I mean, there's more going on. I mean, there's so many more sites. You know this as a fan as well. You know, you see there's more sites, there's more podcasts, oh, yeah. there's talk on social media, more people out there with with um, increasingly informed opinions. Um, you know, so it's 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 a brilliant time to be a Star Wars fan. And I mean, I've been in and around sort of fandom online and 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 before online, you know, for wow, twenty thirty years, I guess if you think about it that way. And I was writing into mag- news news uh, sort of magazines and comics sort of in the in the eighties. So mm. it's a very different scenario and very different um, sort of place to be now than it was then, of course. But yeah, it's it's I think it's a really exciting time. I think there's a there's a massive buzz around Episode Seven, obviously. Mm. Uh, and Jedi News hopefully is kind of uh, not. I wouldn't say at the forefront of that, but I'd like to think we're part of part of that. Um, and apart from anything else, it's a, it's a lot of fun. You know, you get to talk to people like yourself and about cool stuff. I mean, you know, we do the podcast radio one one three eight, which is which is enjoyable. It's 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 made predominantly with an eye on the UK, so we try and cover what's happening in the UK at events and conventions and and just general goings on. So that that's fun. Yeah. Uh, and spread out things a little bit about you know talking about the general state of Star Wars because you know like everybody else we've we've got our opinion on on what's going on. Um, yeah, it's busy. It's a busy time. Yeah, well, you're you're a man in demand. I will say that. Um, <laughs> but I know, and I encourage anyone that does listen to our show that does uh, does not you know listen to your podcast or check out Jedi News that they should because I know that. There's a lot of rumors that come and go, and you see them all the time on on you know Twitter and Facebook and stuff like that. And I generally don't really pay any attention to them because you don't know what's real and and what's not. But if I see it's from you, I I'll read it. You know, like in others, I'm like, eh, I don't know about this. But if it comes from if it's coming from Jedi News, I I think well this this is something I need to pay attention to. So I encourage everybody to do that. I appreciate that. Thank you. No, not at all. Um, how did you get the opportunity or land this opportunity to write for star wars insider because i know that you've been very involved in that as well yeah that's 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 going back a few years now i was thinking about this the other day on you know since i did my first article uh it's eight years nearly so it's getting on for 10 years which is kind of frightening Mm. it still feels fresh and brand new 
Um, the first time I did it was back in 2006 when Frank Parisi was the editor and I'd interviewed him for Lightsaber. So we'd, we'd spoken or well, interacted, you know, emails and such. And really, really nice guy. And uh, and I just said in, in the course of these email conversations, sort of tidying up the article, the, the interview to go on, on Lightsaber, is how do I pitch to do something in the Insider? Because being being an old fart fan like I am, you know, I was getting Bantha tracks back in the early 80s. And oh, yeah. I was reading magazines way, you know, before that as a kid, you know, I was, I was sort of six when the first film came out. So I really wanted to do something that was connected to that because I, I get really soppy and emotional about all these things. And just the thought of, of, of right, this is back in 2006, the thought of having something published in, in the publication that was the, I guess, the ancestor of, you know, Bantha tracks or the, successor of band tracks was like a really really big deal yeah, and yeah. frank well you know pitch me a couple of ideas so i threw him a couple of ideas and you know most of them got binned because they weren't that good <laughs> and then i said i was going to an event in birmingham which is near where i live in the middle of the uk middle of england uh for a hasbro it's the you know like the fan film awards that they've, they've just resurrected yes. um for celebration they did a version of that here called the r2s mm. which was basically all based around the hasbro toys and um i was I said, I'll go and cover it. So I went and covered it, got the photographs. And, and that's where I first met James, who I now co-own Jedi News with. Uh, and thankfully, the article went in uh, in issue 90, I think, of The Insider. So, And then there was a, a bit of a break where I didn't manage to get anything else in for a couple of years. And then um, I got an article in that was looking back at Empire Strikes Back. Got quite a few uh, of my uh, sort of historic interviews, managed to get some new interviews in there for that. So that went well. And got to know Jonathan Wilkins, the current editor, who now I can thankfully say is, is a really good pal. Uh, and it's just gone on from there. So I've started to do my Star Wars, started to do Red 5, which are the two sections of the magazine I tend to do most months. Touch wood. Hopefully that continues. Uh, and I do the odd article, um, bits in Launchpad at the start of the magazine. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's nice and busy. And there's always something going on. I'm always chasing an interview or chasing somebody for an article or compiling information for articles that might not see the light of day for you know, six or seven issues. I mean, I'm working on something now that, that it's I think the one I'm working on now probably won't be out till the December issue 154. Mm. But I've got stuff that's, that's planned way ahead of that. So, which is kind of cool to think that, you know, there's this stuff in irons in the fire that far out. So yeah, but yeah it gives me a massive kick to be involved with that. And hopefully never ever kick me if I take it for granted, because <laughs> it's not something I ever want to take for granted. I really do get a buzz out of being a part of that. That's really cool. And I know that a few of our, um, co-hosts are subscribers so i know they'll be looking for that when it does come out and it's funny that you mentioned the bantha tracks like because because that's kind of what started all this kind of i mean when you think about it it's almost like the 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 first fan community kind of i don't know it was it was more like a newsletter than anything yeah. do you still have your uh old your old issues i do i i started i think my first issue was i remember it had Stuart freeborn on the cover sculpting yoda so i think it's about issue 19 or something like that so fairly late in the run but back then because it was it wasn't monster collectible like it is now back then you could just send off for the back issues mm -hmm. so very early on using you know whatever pocket money or birthday money or whatever i managed to get i managed to get most of the back issues quite quickly yeah. um and you know they did like uh, they did an empire special and a jedi special so i managed to get those um and over the years i've, I've managed to collect a, quite a sizable chunk of, of the, you know the various things that bantha tracks did and i've now got all the issues I, I, I think i got the final the final issue that i needed was was the last issue which i got 
Uh, actually, no, tell a lie. The last issue I got was the very first issue, which I've been looking for for, well, since the early 80s. Mm. Never found it, never seen it. Seen it on eBay for silly money. <laughs> uh, and a friend of mine, Matt Booker, who contributes to, very significantly contributes to Jedi News, uh, He's a he owns a shop called Automatic Comics, and he deals at various events. And he had a box full of, you know, comics and magazines and this, that, and the other. And I went through and I looked and I, I saw this issue one and why it just didn't click. I just didn't realize it was issue one. I just mm. didn't realize. Went away, got chatting to him not that long later. And I said, he said, what are you looking for? I'm looking for issue one of Bantha Track. Here it is. I went, that's the real, that's not the one from the Sansweet book. That's not a photocopy. That's the actual one. That's the actual one. How much do you want for it? And he did it for the most ludicrously low price. Mm. You know, he wasn't, he, he deals in mostly other things. This was just a box of peripherals for him. Right. And he was like, oh, have it, it's fine, go on, have it. You need it, you want it, go on, have it. <laughs> I'll never be able to pay him back for that because that completed a really important part of my sort of childhood, something I've been chasing for years and years. Nothing more satisfying than finding something that you've been looking for for that long. Yeah. And it was right under my nose. It was That was a really sweet moment, actually. I've got it. I really should thank him for that. That was a really sweet moment. <laughs> That's a good story. I know the one you're talking about with Stuart Freeborn on the, I can picture it. I have it in a drawer in my other room. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they were great. Even the, even the Howard the Duck one. Like, <laughs> they were all, yes, yes, yes. They were all good. <laughs> so, I, and I do, I, I want to start getting into then the, the English. Uh, perception of star wars and i've said this i've probably said this enough times that people who listen to our show are sick of hearing me saying it but i'm going to say it one more time um that i think americans in general perceive these as american movies american you know writer and at least director of the first film principal american cast but these movies were made on the backs of englishmen and i think that it's a perception of Americans that, you know, it's Harrison Ford, it's it's George Lucas. But Englishmen made these movies. Um, so I, I, I'm i very interested in the perception of, of do you, and I'm put putting you in a place where you have to speak for, you know, millions of people. Um, do you think that people in England view this as their movie, maybe not American movies, or maybe even a rivalry, like an American english rivalry like who does star wars belong to it belongs to the world but you guys made these movies over there um is there a perception like that it's a it's a funny one it's a really good question there's definitely i would say because like like you say you know the, the first three films and phantom menace and sections of all the other prequels and now the sequels all made here um a huge amount of the cast are british a massive amount of the crew especially were british um there's definitely a sense of ownership, I would say. I mean, I think I've, I've actually been writing articles around this subject. Why, why would Lucas come here? Why they, it must have been more than just the fact that that there was a the British crews are world renowned for being so good. Mm. Okay, they'll stop at five o'clock for tea and not start again till six. There's the whole union thing. There's always been that. That's just how it works over here. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, every, everything stops at eight o'clock. You know, I know that drove Lucas crazy. That's how it works. Um, but the efficiency and the techno, the, the techniques and the know-how and the knowledge invaluable. It, it, it was definitely of, of value. And it, again, it must be because Disney have brought it back. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a sense that when you're a kid in Britain, you're watching the original Star Wars trilogy, especially the original trilogy. Um, because obviously a huge amount of the prequel trilogy was made in Australia. So you would, uh, Australian kids and New Zealand kids would recognize a lot of the background actors in that, yeah. but we would be watching our television and, Ooh, Admiral Ozzel would turn up on Grange Hill, which was a kid's 
TV show over here about school, you know, and he was the, the nasty head one and the nasty teachers, you know, and, oh, wow, that's him from Empire Strikes Back. Or you'd be watching a, a TV show, or, you know, a crime drama at nine o'clock and, and Julian Glover would turn up or Ian McDiarmid would turn up, you know. So you would see all of these in the, in the Star Wars universe, really important characters. And, and of course, us being Star Wars fans, you know, doing Star Wars in character, you can talk for an hour about the TIE fighter pilot that flew out of the, in the asteroid field in Empire Strikes Back. You know, you could pick a character and, and he's got a story. We've mentioned Tim Verkoven. Tim was one of the guys that helped build the backstory to these essentially peripheral characters. But to us as Star Wars fans, everyone's got a story. Everyone's got a history. And it's, it's kind of important. And you would see these actors in, in roles on television. And it was really kind of cool. It didn't pull you out of the fact that they were in the Star Wars film. Mm. Um, but, but you know, it was, it was really cool. So there's definitely, I think, a sense of, in a nice way, not in a possessive way, and certainly not in a competitive way, but in just a, in a yeah, we were kind of part of this, you know, a, 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 an ownership almost of, of Star Wars. And we're well aware, you know, Lucas is American, Modesto, California, doesn't get more American than that. You know, the guy's <laughs> genius, no doubt. He could have been born on the moon. He would still be George Lucas. He'd still be one of the most awesome people ever. <laughs> and the cast, you know, no denying it, fantastic cast. Lead cast, lead of the, of the original trilogy, certainly American. Um, but that's that's cool. And there's certain tropes, you know, the, the, you know, the, the moustache-twirling English guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's all present and correct. Um, you know, we're used to that. Um, but yeah, there's definitely, yeah, I wouldn't say we feel that we own stoles, but you know, it was, I, I think, I mean, I did a piece on the official site, uh, one of the blogs that I did on the official site. And I think the final line I'm paraphrasing myself here, but it was American dreamt British built. I right. think that's probably the way I worded it. And I think I kind of feel that's, that's how it feels to me. Yeah. That's, um, that's very well said. And I like, I like the phrasing of that. Um, and I never would have thought of that kind of stuff. Cause I guess we felt the same way on a larger scale when, when we would see uh, Carrie Fisher and something like uh, over the rainbow with Chevy mm. chase or, or Harrison Ford doing the other things that he did, we were like, you know, oh, that, you know, like we would get that feeling. You were getting that feeling on a, on a probably a more uh, personal basis and, and maybe even a more daily basis. If these guys were popping up in BBC shows that we never saw or even know what they are. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I'm thinking as we're talking, you know, that the guy that played the Rancor Keeper, mm-hmm. Malakili, the Rancor Keeper, yeah. he used to turn up on a show called Minder all the time because he's an odd-looking fella. Mm-hmm. He used to turn up things all the time. Uh, and the, wow, I don't even know the guy's name, the character's name, the, the Imperial officer that comes and tells Lord Vader that Luke's landed on Bespin. He, he has one line in Empire. Our biggest, longest-running TV show in the UK is called Coronation Street. It's been on since about 1960, so it's continuously mm-hmm. without a break. I think it's the longest-running soap in the world. He ran the corner shop in that show for a couple of three years. You know, so these people would turn up all the time on on British television. Um, Dave Prowse, you know, when when, we were, when I was a kid, there was a show, a Saturday morning TV show called Tiswas, which was great because it was made in Birmingham, which is where I'm from, and so I felt very sort of close to that because it's kind of my my area massive show uh, and he would turn up on that I and mean, there was all comedians would turn up and Dave Prowse would turn up and Kenny Baker would turn up but all these guys would turn up familiar faces it was brilliant yeah that's, that's great yeah and and those those like I said those are things we're ignorant of here because we had you know our shows we had Sesame Street and yeah. when C-3PO and R2-D2 were on Sesame Street 
I mean, you're you're five years old and you're like, you know, flipping out. And we have one of our contributors and and he's really become a huge friend of the show, a guy named Eric Moore. Um, He's he's very prolific on our on our pages and stuff like that. He just told me about that show that Tis was because um, he and I and like are huge Monty Python fans. And he sent me a thing of uh, Michael Palin on the show. And so oh, yes. this, there was a kid, this was this kid's show. Never heard of it till a week ago. So it's funny that you brought that up. Yeah. Oh, that was a brilliant, that was such a funny show. I, I guess it had to be there. And it was, it was very English and very British, stupid, silly humor. Um, and the host, Chris Tarrant, you, you had, um, who wants to be a millionaire, didn't you in the States? Yes. It's a big show. Chris Tarrant did the original version here in the UK. And he was the host back in the seventies of Tiz. I actually met him when I was about six. Mm. Um, it came to a fate near where I lived. But um, yeah, it was just, you'd get the craziest guests would turn up on Tiz was and just, and this is a Saturday morning kids show. Right. Um, the hostess, the hostess that, the, you know, the, the, the lead presenter, Sally James was just dropped dead gorgeous. So all the dads would watch it for her, <laughs> uh, you know, and all the kids would be watching for the silly humor and the cartoons. Oh, it's a brilliant show. Never been anything like it since, but yeah, you've got me all nostalgic now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool. And, and one of the other things I wanted to ask you about, cause, and I had, Speaking about Eric, this actually reminded me. Um, I uh, both both uh, Matt and I um, were longtime projectionists, and and Eric is too. That's what made me think of this. And I asked this to uh, Ricardo from Portugal because um, I'm fascinated with just movie theaters, the theaters themselves in general, um, the theaters in the UK. Because I've seen pictures that Eric has sent. You have these grand historic uh, movie houses, not not anything like we have here. How and, and I'm going all the way back to '77 to to even like the the release of the prequels. How did some of these old fashioned, um, maybe one screen houses handle that kind of volume? That's a really good question. Yeah, um, London and the major cities around the country they had all the really big old fashioned sort of well entrenched cinemas because back in the day most towns and villages would have uh, a cinema. Um, and, and London being the capital certainly had the, the most grand and most of those are still around today, you know, Odeon, Leicester square, empire, Leicester square, you know, the, there's big cinemas around London and there's big cinemas all around the UK now. Um, and we've gone the way that you guys went a long time ago. We've got the multiplexes these days, but back in 77, I saw star Wars, the original star Wars in a two screen cinema in Cannock, which is about funny enough. I've moved back to where I grew up as a kid. So it's probably about three miles up the road. Uh, it's a two screen cinema. Uh, and this is back in the days when you'd have an A movie and a B movie. Right. So you'd and see, you know, when I saw when I saw Empire Strikes Back, I saw it as a double bill with Herbie Goes Bananas. Uh, <laughs> you know, so you know, you would see these really crazy, or you'd always get a little short before the film. But there's a reason that they called a lot of these cinemas flea pits in the UK. Some of them were just nasty, horrible seats, lousy sound, rotten film quality. You know, not very good at all. So. Right. I was quite lucky in that I saw Star Wars on a, on an I, I have very good mem- memories of seeing it at Canuck and and the pitch quality being fine for the, for the time. I mean, obviously now, you know, it's pinpoint pinpoint quality, and there's no excuse for a bad projection these days in in the way that there may have been then, because the, even then, back in the seventies, they were probably using projectors that were twenty thirty years old. Right. Um, so um, yeah, and, and Empire I saw not that not not that, in fact for anyone his dad his dad was the manager of a cinema so we saw Empire at, at my friend's dad's cinema, hmm. but yeah it, that's a really good point you know the, how did they cope with the capacity I remember seeing or driving past the cinema after we'd seen Star Wars, and the queues were literally 
up up around the corner, up the road, massive, massive queues, huge, fantastic memories, and I'd never seen anything like it before or since. Yeah. The only time I ever saw anything quite like it was for the other Star Wars films, of course, and for E.T., funny enough, which which obviously went crazy in, in back in 82. But, yeah, they, they coped. Um, Brit, Brits, especially the English, we're very used to queuing. It's it's a cliche, but we are. You know, <laughs> we see two people standing in a row. We generally end up standing behind them just to see what they're waiting for. <laughs> so you know, so um, it's uh, it wasn't such a it wasn't such a problem, uh, and they cope well. Like I say, cinema experiences now, whilst the seats are better, the food's better, the you know everything's better, the sounds better, the quality, everything. And me and my wife go very regularly to the cinema. Um, I, we went to the cinema yesterday, lo- a new little local cinema that's opened up, had a meal and went and saw a film. Nice. Um, it's a very different experience. But back then, it was kind of magical. But I think there's that rose-tinted glasses feeling of, you know, you're, you're seven or eight years old and you're going with your dad, mom and dad to see a film. It's a, it's kind of a special experience. Yeah, and absolutely. And that's the way it was here. And and we, the, the podcasters on our show are from a small town, so we had that on a smaller scale. But we still... You can see them online. the 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 pictures of uh, Grauman's Chinese Theater uh, yeah. and the lines just just billowing around the sh- around the corner. I mean, it uh, and it, it's neat to know that it was that way there too. Um, yeah, especially and especially some of the majestic places that you had here there over there. Um, it's a shame that they're closing a lot of them, but uh, we don't That's have right. that kind of stuff here. Yeah. It's a shame, like you say, a lot of the chains, a lot of the smaller chains, the ABCs and the Gaumonts and stuff like that, all got bought up by our main chains. We've got Cinema World, Odeon, Virgin. You know, there's not that many now. It's it's like it seems to be everywhere. You know, it's like Blade Runner said, you know, the world will be run by five corporations by 2020 sort of thing. Right. It feels like it's going that way. You know, our cinema chain's probably owned by Pepsi and Pepsi's probably owned by, I don't know, whatever. You know, it's it's that kind of world these days, isn't it? Right. So. But uh, there's still some small independent theatres knocking around, sort of keeping that old spirit alive. And when I get the chance, I do like to go and see even big new films in, you know, I kind of go and see it in a nice small cinema because we all want to see Guardians of the Galaxy on the biggest screen with the loudest noise because that's what it's made for, you know, and you want to be sucked in and and take it all in because that's what it's all about. But I saw a film yesterday called The Inbetweeners, which is just a British comedy based on, the, well, it's a sequel to a TV series that ran a few years back. Hilarious. Uh, very, very English kind of humour. Uh, I don't know whether it would translate, but, but uh, and, and filthy, but really funny. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but you don't need to see that in 3D surround IMAX. You know, you don't need that. You just want a good screen with a good sound and, and enjoy it. And it was very much like the old days. And so it's very pertinent that you mentioned that question. It's a good question, yeah. Well, it's good. And, and you've mentioned several times i mean there's and and i don't know if there's a question and i may have to talk to other people about this and i'm looking forward to that as well is that a is the general idea of the way star wars is perceived in england do you think that's true of all of the united kingdom is that the way it is in scotland and northern ireland or do they have do you think they have different perspective perspectives of star wars that's a good question because because the english and the scots and the irish are all kind of very and the Welsh, don't forget the Welsh. And the Welsh. We've all, yeah, we've all got very different ways of looking at the world anyway, um, even though we're a United Kingdom. Uh, and even in England, 
you know, somebody's opinion in Newcastle right up, in the, up north near the borders of Scotland will be very different to somebody's opinion in Bristol, which is very near the south border of Wales, you know. So even though geographically we're a small country, um, there's a huge, you know, you've only got to travel 20 miles up the road and the dialect changes. So it's 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 that kind of country. So, um, and I, I speak, I mean, on our website, Brian Cameron, he's a Scot, you know, he's got a different opinion, slightly different opinion. But I would say on the whole, if you were looking at it, generally i think it would be fairly similar to be honest I, I don't want to speak for these guys but that's how i perceive it myself because there's a, an awful lot of scottish actors in the star wars films there's irish actors in there certainly welsh actors i mean richard marquand directed jedi he was a welshman so mm. you know there's there's a good spread of of british talent it's not just english of, of british talent um throughout those films um but as an english as an englishman myself you know you, you look at the, the, the cast and and yeah, there's a lot of English guys in there. But as I say, you're McGregor, um, Scottish guy, you know. So it's it's a good mix. It's a good mix. But yeah, it's a good it's a good thought. I've never thought of it in that in that way because we we tend to think of it as 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 a UK uh, as a UK thing. But yeah, there's very there's I'll have to ask Brian. That's there's every chance he might think of it in a slightly different uh, different manner. Yeah, well, maybe I'll be calling him for an interview. <laughs> sure, sure, yeah. If, if there's anybody in uh, Cardiff that's listening, give me a call too. You know, I'll 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 run the globe here doing this show. Ah, uh, good, good. I can put you in touch with people in Cardiff. <laughs> so, how do you think people are? People clamoring around the studio now for the the films, the the, the for episode seven that's being filmed now. Is it like are there people hanging out? Are there people hoping to see people on the street and and kind of stalking people? I mean, what is what is the flavor of how that's happening now? I don't get the feeling that they're they're kind of camping out in the way that they were when episode one was being filmed at Leavesden. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly not that I've seen. I mean, I, 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 one of my job. I mean, I'm obviously writing is a, is a, one of my jobs, but I do stock taking as well, which takes me all around the country, uh, doing stock takes and such. And we did a job or I did a job not that long ago that I didn't even realize was really close to Pinewood. Mm-hmm. And I drove around an Island and just saw a sign, a signpost or just off the Island said Pinewood studios. And I thought, I've got to go and have a look. So I drove around and took a sort of literally just did a driveway. There's nowhere to park because it's on an island. The main gate is on an island, so you can't park up anywhere. Mm. And just very slow, no other cars around, a very slow driveway. I took a photograph. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a big site. I mean, the, the, you know, and it's, it's kind of in the middle of the countryside as well. So, but they've got very high fences. I mean, you'd, you'd need, you'd need to be on stilts or, or have a helium balloon to sort of really have a chance of seeing anything. So, <laughs> But yeah, I don't think it's quite like it was for episode one in that respect, um, and I don't think they've got the sort of um, the the uh, you know Yuma, Arizona problems of dune buggies bouncing around trying to film the barge or anything like that. Right. I, I think I think the general excitement is it's I, I think because it's such a different environment to I think it's a, a lot. Well, I say it's a, a lot down to J.J. Abrams. Maybe it's it's Disney as well, but we've not really learned too much yet. Um, I mean, you mentioned about Jedi news and, and the stuff that we put on, and we we try and be as as diligent and and try and double check things as much as we can. But by the same token, when fandom is talking about a rumor, what all we do as a site is try and be as as careful as possible and say this is a rumor, this is not fact, this is what people think. It may not turn out to be true, um, and even the stuff that we learn ourselves and post um because people want to talk about it and people want to read about it and it all again it all depends on your point of view do you want to do you want to talk about rumors or do you want to not know anything or you know it's 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 a tricky balance to walk but i think we're 
it's still too early in the day for people to be sort of hanging out too much and you'd get short shrift of trying to get in that place there's no way you're going to get in that place i mean right. we we hoping as me and james um from jedi news who and we both write for the inside and we both write for the officials um the official site as well kind of thinking well maybe you know we're here in the uk maybe there's the potential of us getting in and having a look and seeing what's going on in that capacity not as jedi news obviously we're just a website but a fan site but in that capacity i don't think it's going to happen so you know um it's it's a difficult thing to get into, but I wouldn't be at all surprised if people were, and I wouldn't blame them. I mean, yeah. I, it's, it's not, when the film comes out, you know, you get people queuing up, you know, three weeks before the film comes out. That that won't be me. There's nothing, nothing in my life that I would queue three weeks for. <laughs> really, really good. <laughs> not you know, even Star Wars. <laughs> not even Star Wars. I'm, I'm I'm a heavy metal fan. I, <laughs> you know, I love my metal. You know, I'm a huge Iron Maiden fan. They're going to finish within the next few years. You know, if they, somebody said to me, you can go to the last gig, but you've got a queue for three weeks. I'd go, nah, it's okay. I saw them in 88 at Donington. They'll never be better than that. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm happy. There's nothing that I'm that, you know, I'm 43. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit old to, you know, to be, to be that, you know, um, not, not, not that dedicated, but just that crazy, I guess. There you uh, go. But hats off to people that do, you know, the whole counting down thing back in 99. I thought that was brilliant, absolutely brilliant, but but not for me, not for me. So not not even Star Wars or Iron Maiden will get you in. Three no, they're, the, they're the top two. They really are, for me, the top two. If so, they're not yeah. going to do it, nothing is. Pretty much. <laughs> Speaking of Iron Maiden, we've uh, started getting uh, Trooper Ale over here. Oh, uh, I've tried it. Oh, it's awesome. you got to try yeah. it. It really, yeah. I've tried it. It's amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. Loved yeah. it. It's hard to get where we are in Pennsylvania, but I've seen it a few places. And when I see it, I stock up. <laughs> Good call. It's re- I mean, I, I don't drink much because I, I had a bit of a health issue a few years ago and I found out I don't, I've only got one kidney, oh, so really? which is really odd. So they told me, they said, well, do yourself a favor. Don't drink any spirits and cut right back on the beer. Have a mm-hmm. couple of years. So I have the odd one every now and again. I'm not, I'm not sort of crazy. I'm not too, too crazy about it. But uh, one of the things I thought, I've got to try it, being a Maiden fan. And the Trooper is like, pretty much my favorite Maiden song anyway. Uh-huh. Um, and I play in a band. I play bass in a, in, a, in a Metallica covers band. And we actually cover the Trooper. It's one of the few non-Metallica songs we do actually cover the Trooper. And I, I've got a higher singing range, so I actually sing it and play it. All right. So I'm kind of, kind of attached to the Trooper as, sort of personally as well. You are so, a renaissance man. I'd, I'd like to see like a YouTube video of that. <laughs> I'm sure there's one knocking around somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I thought, I've got to try this. And oh, yes, it made me happy. It, it suits suits the song. Good. Definitely. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> Do you think now we have all this stuff over here and, and, and I'm sure it, it's, it's kind of almost nice for me to know from the, what we've been talking about already that things aren't all that different. And I kind of thought they might not be that different from, from from England to to the US. Um but over here you have the cosplay, the games, the books, the toys. Is that as big a deal in England as it is here or do you think you focus more on the films in general? Uh the cosplay increasingly is becoming a thing over here. It's been big in the states for years. Uh of, of course. Um but in, I find increasingly when I go down to London to the big shows you know, London Film and Comic-Con and stuff like that, London Expo uh, at the XL, which is where the original Celebration of Europe was held, went down there and, and was just blown away, one, by how busy it was. It was insanely packed. 
um and and secondly by the amount of costumes now a lot of star wars obviously a lot of um you know superhero stuff over here the manga stuff the anime stuff the japanese orientated stuff that's really big okay. uh, a lot of young younger cosplayers going uh getting into that and, and and computer game related so i'm not into computer games at all and i'm not into japanese anime at all so a lot of the characters i haven't got a clue what mm-hmm. they are yeah but i absolutely love it because you can just see the the time and the effort the dedication that's going into it so that's really big over here the books have always been big we have our own uk imprint of the books over here so everything that comes out in the states comes out here a little bit behind mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm a book snob so i like to have all the delray prints okay uh, that's just me <laughs> um, but uh, yeah so you know this uh, obviously the insider is published over here even though it's um it's actually printed in the states and then gets sent back to us so we get the insider a couple of weeks later which uh, i never quite understand why but there's licensing reasons for that yeah um although being being on the magazine luckily we, we tend to get it a little bit earlier so we do know what's going on um right. but uh, yeah but all the other all the other aspects of it are i would say pretty much the same the films obviously are paramount above and beyond everything one thing that's been a problem i've got to say and you've made me think about it by, by kind of asking the question is we for the first three years of the clone wars for example we were getting it on uh, on sky which is one of our satellite channels over here on the movie channel and we were getting it sometimes ahead of the states mm. uh, which happens occasionally in the uk i mean we get you know we get all the avengers and, and the you know the marvel films tend to come out a week early here as opposed right. to in the states um babylon 5 back in the day we used to get it before the states you know obviously doctor who we get because it's made here anyway but mm. um but we were getting the clone wars early but then seasons four and five we had to wait so long to get them and we never they've still not to my knowledge they've still not shown um, the lost missions in the year really were feeling a little bit let down that they hadn't sorted something out there, but I think it's looking a little bit better for rebels, but yeah, I think the films, I think for most people, the films are pretty much going to be the focus Um computer games are huge role plays getting big here again. So the fantasy flight stuff's doing well. Yeah, okay. uh, so yeah, it covers, covers all angles really. Well, I told you I was going to ask you this and I've asked every person I've uh, talked to and, and anybody we generally interview at all. Um, who is, since we talk about obscure characters on our podcast, who is your favorite obscure Star Wars character? Obscure Star Wars character, that's a really good one. You know, I, I, <laughs> I was talking to somebody about Ewoks the other day, um, and the, I, I think the person I was talking to, and I can't remember who exactly who it was now, but we just got into one of these Twitter conversations about, and, and somebody said, oh, I love the Ewoks, I really like the Ewoks. And I thought back to Caravan of Courage and Chuck a Truck, the, the, wood, the woodcutter and i okay. thought what a, what a wicked character he was because he was like he was like the arnold schwarzenegger of ewoks he, <laughs> he was like he was probably four foot tall and he looked like he could knock a tree down let alone chop a tree down and he went out fighting and you never saw him before and you've never seen him since really and i just but i just thought what a cool character so i uh, apart from my perennial favorite um and i don't know if they ever named the guy and I mentioned him earlier, the TIE fighter pilot that ejects in the asteroid field in Empire Strikes Back, which I actually <laughs> did the insider panel at Celebration 6. And uh, Leland Chi was on the panel. Right. And I actually said to Leland, I said, I'll turn around to him. And it, I mean, it was funny because it went straight over. He said, so Leland, I've got to ask you a question. He says, yeah. I says, uh, Empire Strikes Back, you know, in the asteroid field, the TIE fighter pilot that ejects. I says, did they ever find him? What happened to him? What's he <laughs> doing now? And he just looked at me completely like, what? <laughs> well, I, I do. I want to know. I want to know. I'd, I'd like to think he's living quietly on a on an asteroid somewhere with 
pet slug. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, something. But so other than the TIE fighter pilot, who I, I would like to think would somehow manage to manage to get his way out of it. Um, yeah. I would say uh, off the top of my head, uh, without much thought, Chuck a truck from Cameron Curry. All right. Didn't see that one coming. <laughs> <laughs> Neither did I till you asked. <laughs> <laughs> You've met a lot of uh, people from the movies, and I know that you um, ha- have done some charitable things. I know you did something with Jeremy Bullock last year. Um, who is? Is there anybody that stands out to you as like one of the good guys that is involved with Star Wars? And I mean, someone that was in the films or associated with them somehow. Yeah, wow. There's lots actually. There's a lot of uh, really cool people, and the nice thing about being in the UK because so many of the of the um, not secondary, but you know the the, the uh, background actors. I guess were British. You see a lot of these guys at conventions. So uh, I've always got on well with Ian Liston, um, who was from Empire Strikes Back. Where's Jensen from Empire? So it's always nice to bump into Ian because we always have a good chat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to run Richard Lapointe's website for about three years, um, and he was cranky. Everybody knows what Richard was like. He spoke his mind, very much spoke his mind. He was always a good really good laugh i had a lot of a uh, lot of fun with him um there's there's a lot of guys you just bump into them and just 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 click jerome blake i i hadn't seen jerome for ages um and he was quite seriously ill um yeah. and and um bless him he's doing seems to be doing really really well and, and i saw him not longer actually at richard lepomentier's memorial um a couple mm. of months. and and always sort of click with him and and have a good time so there's lots of guys warwick davis is a really nice guy um and I think about Warwick, I think, because he's he's so prolific these days. He's on so many things and, and yeah. everybody knows him. And and I've got to say, I'm terrible at going up to people. Um, even people I've interviewed, and a lot I have interviewed a lot, I guess, over the years, and, and, and people that I've met, and I always think, no, nah, they're not going to remember me. And I mean, I don't know why I think that, because I'm like six foot four and 18 stone, so I'm pretty hard to miss. But, <laughs> but, but, but you know, you, you don't want to blow your you don't want to play your part up too much. Uh, and I always think every time I see Warwick, I think he's not going to remember me, but, but he always seems to remember me and he must mm. meet a lot of people. So that's kind of nice. Um, yeah, that's good. I was, I would have been, he, he could have got you on an episode of life's too short. I would have, you would have been my real hero then. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been fun. Yeah. That would be a lot of fun. <laughs> Well, do yeah. you have anything that you, I know that, like I said, you're involved in all kinds of things. Is there anything that you would like to sort of plug and, and let our listeners know, you know, something that, that they might enjoy? Because I know that uh, our listeners love all this kind of stuff. So uh, what are you up to? Okay. Um, I am too busy. And my wife, my wonderful wife, is far too understanding and gives me far too much rope. <laughs> to tie myself up in Star Wars with. So um, what do I do? I mean, obviously Jedi News is hopefully, fingers crossed, I hope people are enjoying what we do and, and we try to push it and do new things. We've got a, hopefully got a refreshed version of the website coming out within the next few months, which is long overdue. It needs it. Um, there's a lot of content from, from our lightsaber days that still aren't, that still isn't on there. We've got tons of interviews, role play material, fiction, all sorts of stuff. So I'm really looking forward to that rolling out. 1138, I know it's got a perception of being a, a, a very much a UK show, and it is a very much a UK show, but I'd, I'd like to think people from outside the UK are listening to it as well and, and enjoying that because, you know, um, I mean, it's basically it's just two guys rabbiting on about Star Wars, and we've all got opinions that, that differ and, and, and meet up, but I'd, I'd like people to, to have a listen to that. Um, 
obviously the insider um everybody should be getting the insider everybody, mm. everybody should subscribe to the insider it's, it's always it's well worth it it's a great magazine uh, and i also do stuff on stores.com as well which is a lot of fun um different sort of blogs on various subjects uh, a couple of times a month so uh, that that gives me a, a, a bit of a kick because that's good fun it's a nice crowd of people involved in that as well and it's very eclectic in that certainly you know sometimes brian young will look at the cinema of star wars or amy ratcliffe will look at uh fandom i tend to do stuff uh stalls in the uk so it's looking at what's going on here in the uk back in the day or at a convention last week or whatever it may be so so there's lots of different things going on there so yeah but, but, but above and beyond just hyping my stuff i would say to anybody who wants to you know just get out there and just browse and roll around there's loads of great podcasts there's loads of good sites there's sites that will be pushing to bring you news that nobody else is is trying you know almost spoilers almost rumors so you know you, you might go to a making star wars or or a site like that or if you want to you know just read different kinds of things just just roll around there's blogs galore these days it's it's the most vibrant time i, I think and the most well-informed in terms of the way it's presented uh time for star wars fandom online than, than it's ever been really yeah it is you're you're absolutely right it's a, a very good time to be a star wars fan um, and I want to thank you, Mark, for, for taking the time to join us today on this special episode of Star Wars in Character. Um, really, thanks a lot. Really appreciate it. Oh, absolute pleasure. Loved it. Love talking Star Wars anytime. Thanks for listening to Star Wars in Character. Star Wars in Character is part of the NeoZaz.com network of podcasts. For more great podcasts and original entertainment, please visit www.neozaz.com. Star Wars in Character is not affiliated with nor endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited or 20th Century Fox. Star Wars and all Star Wars universe characters, places, or Star Wars related items are the copyright of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. Visit www.swic.neozaz.com for the latest Star Wars in Character episodes and information.